Welcome to Step Monsters, a podcast all about the highs and lows of step parenthood. I'm Elise and this is Bailey. We're two friends bonded by this crazy stepmom world. So we're really excited about today's episode. We've got our husbands joining us today with some questions that we're going to ask them, some questions that they come up came up with for themselves and should be a really interesting conversation and different perspective for anyone who's a step parent or just curious in general about what it's like being a step parent and, and married to a step mom. How are you feeling? Feeling great. Let's do this. Feeling fantastic. Excited for this. Excited to be here, ladies. Thanks for having us. Our pleasure, really. <laughs> <laughs> so Elise and I were talking before about the different perspectives when it comes to step parenting. And one perspective that we constantly found ourselves missing was what is it like to marry a step parent, um, a stepmom specifically in this instance? And there were some things that we initially had questions on and we wanted to know what is this like and how did this impact your life and what was going through your head when you were considering a new relationship or a post-divorce um, really at any given point in time. So one of the first questions that we had for both of you is what are some concerns that you had when you started dating and when you thought about introducing your kids to someone new other than their mom? So maybe we'll start with my husband. This is Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's funny. You said, what's it like to marry a stepmom? I don't think either of us, and I don't want to speak for, for Mr. Elise, but I don't think either of us thought, oh, we're marrying a stepmom. I think we were looking for a good fit. The concern, I think the only concern really is, are they going to get along? And no guy, I don't think will ever admit this, but let's face the facts. If the kids hate the person you're dating, it's not going to work. And I don't think I ever would have said that during the dating process. Like, oh, you know, I would never put that pressure on you and say, well, you know, if, if my kids don't like you, we're done. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, if my kids don't like her, we're done. And in the back of my <laughs> mind, I actually, I knew that too, even though he never overtly said it. I knew if the kids don't like me or something happens here, there's no future for us. So even though he didn't put that pressure on me, I for sure put that pressure a yeah. little bit on myself. Like I said, I don't think we would ever actually admit that. In fact, I probably told you the opposite, which is don't even worry about it. <laughs> lies, all lies. <laughs> what about you, Mr. Elise? You know, for me, um, I kind of compartmentalized my life to a certain degree in that, you know, as a dad, they're for my kids. And, and, you know, when I was dating, you know, that was an aspect of me. But I, as I dated, uh, I was very careful to make sure that when I introduced uh, someone to the girls, it was the right person. I didn't want to introduce a number of girls to my kids and then have them get a skewed perspective of what relationships were about or things like that. So um, I, I took that responsibility pretty seriously. Yeah. I mean, I'll just add to that. I don't think I ever really thought about this consciously, but it just so happened that there was definitely a point in which I thought like there's there needs to be some moment of clarity for me that says, OK, this is the person that I want to introduce to my kids. I don't I, I never wrote it down. I never you know really consciously said like this is when that point in time is going to happen. But I remember going, OK, I think we're ready. Did you want to share with the class on when that was? <laughs> <laughs> For us specifically, 
it was well ours is a little bit unique so so we were friends a long time before we started dating and you know you had met my kids at company events we had played softball together so you know the kids would come to the softball games and they had already established a relationship with you long before they ever even considered the fact that we might be dating so it was very easy and natural to just kind of progress into uh oh by the way we're dating in fact in our case my kids were very much like why don't you guys date? <laughs> so they kind of, in their own way, just kind of pushed us, um, even though, you know, we had already kind of talked about it. But it was kind of funny how it just organically happened with our kids because, um, you know, we had that friendship long before we, we'd ever started dating. Well, in our situation, like we've talked about before, was completely different. So we had a, a long distance thing. And even with the agreement on our end with my husband's ex-wife, he had to notify her of when he was going to be introducing me. And it had to be like a well-formulated plan of when and where and how. So maybe he can talk a little bit about what that was like. Yeah, I really wasn't uh, apprehensive about it at all. I mean, in our in our joint parenting agreement, we said we would notify the other person prior to introducing a significant other. So really, my obligation was just to notify her, you know, which of course I did. But beyond that, I, I didn't really have any feelings of apprehension or anything related to introducing my children to Elise, um, at least as far as interference or anything like that from my ex-wife. I did want to make it special. And, you know, ours was a little bit unique as well. And so, you know, we had a long distance relationship relationship. So, you know, we, we spoke on the phone, we FaceTimed. Um, and so when the in-person meeting finally occurred, we tried to make it memorable and special, knowing that it was something they were going to remember for probably the rest of their lives. Well, and before I ask you the question I'm going to ask, I have to mention that I remember before I met them coming up to visit and they would call you. And one instance in particular, they were so excited. We were in the car, so they were on the, the you know speakerphone. They were so excited to tell him about these Halloween costumes that they had picked out. And I had to stay completely silent. But in my mind, I'm thinking, I cannot wait to meet these kids because they sound so sweet. And I would ask questions and I wanted to know everything. But of course, understood that it was a sensitive situation that we had to be cognizant of what it looked like before I met them. But how? what was your discussion with the girls since they really had never met me, what did you tell them? And what did that look like? I told my kids that uh, I had someone that was special to me and I wanted them to meet. Did you. they ask you which questions or? Um, they did. I mean, so we had, you know, I'd kind of gently introduced them as you and I had dated for a while. And so they kind of knew who you were. There was a lot of you know, questions, you know, just based on their age and their natural curiosity, I, I think, uh, you know, they were they were very curious as to who you are and they like to stir the pot a little bit. So, you they're know, girls. they're you know, vivacious, right? And, and they like to have fun. And so they were true to themselves, I guess, through that would be the best way to describe it. Bailey's husband, what was your response when your kids gave you the okay to go ahead or maybe pressured you, not pressured, but gave you the idea that they were okay with and wanted you to date Bailey. My immediate response was, well, that was easy. Cause in my mind, you know, of course I'm like, all right, how am I going to break this to the kids? How is this going to go? You know, initially I was like, Hey kids, I found you a new baby mama. No, that didn't happen. But no, please no. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but I don't think we could have really had an easier transition. I, I mean, I, I couldn't have certainly planned it that way. It just kind of really organically happened. Like we would hang out and then, you know, we're at a softball game and the kids are like, she's really cool. Can she come to dinner with us? So of course I'm like, of course. And she comes over to dinner. And then after doing that a couple of times, one night out of the blue, one of my kids is like, can she stay the night? And I'm like, okay, I guess. So meanwhile, they didn't know that I had already been staying the night. I just, we just pretended to sleep on the couch until they went to sleep. <laughs> That's what we all Great. do. And they're going to listen to this and now you've just spilled the beans. I mean, they were there when it happened. <laughs> we just pretended that I left. You no, know, I, I would say um, my kids really made it easy on us. Um, they took a lot of the difficult conversations, the awkwardness of the whole scenario and kind of made it very organic. I would agree with that. One thing that we talked about in a prior episode was what was it like? And I'm, I'm kind of going out of turn for questions that we have pre-planned, but I'm so curious what you guys feel like it was like once we moved in and how that changed the dynamic or things that you might have worried about once we were living under the same household all as a you know singular family unit. So I guess Bailey's husband, if you want to touch on that, and then we'll have my husband uh, follow up. I have to dig real deep. I mean, I don't remember what that whole conversation was like. Your son would take full credit for that, by the way. He was the one that suggested he was after the one that a suggested, trip to Disney that I move in. <laughs> really? Yeah. See, I, I don't remember that. But again, we were just super spoiled in that a lot of the awkwardness never materialized because my kids were so excited about Bailey and so excited about just having another, I guess, mother figure in the house and, you know, my daughter was very much like, oh, we're best buds. And, you know, even my son was just like super excited. So, I mean, from my perspective, check the box in the kids, the kids get along with her and the kids like her because that was a super easy one. And from that point forward, the rest just kind of flew. I mean, it, it went by pretty quick. We went from, hey, let's have a sleepover to, <laughs> hey, why don't you move in? Yeah, we too very lucky in that um, sounds like we had a similar experience where my girls took to Elise almost immediately. And, you know, I think it was nice for them because they had a another female role model who was a mother figure, but wasn't their mom. And I think that gave them the ability to just have a different kind of relationship with her where they could kind of trust her with things like a friend, but and still get advice without having to talk to a quote unquote parent about it. I think they're lucky in that regard that they have that relationship with Elise. Well, I remember the first trip that I took once I had moved in and it was a weekend trip and we had the girls and you sent me a photo of our oldest had written on this chalkboard. I miss Elise. <laughs> and you sent the photo of what she had written on the chalkboard to me. And I instantly was like, I have to get home. Like my people need me. So, you know, gotta go. I was in Nashville, but I thought that was adorable that they missed my presence at the house. So a question for Elise, at the beginning, was your relationship more of kind of like a friend or was it more like a parental figure? 
So even even upon the first time meeting the girls, I remember we were walking around this garden and our youngest daughter grabbed my hand and she looked at me and one of the first things that she said to me when my husband wasn't around was, oh my God, you're so pretty. So it was nostalgic for them. They liked that they would find me in the house singing or playing music and I would paint their nails. My husband's not the greatest at doing hair, but oh. he got it. He got a mannequin and really practiced and tried. There's a story of a buddy who owns a a hair salon, (laughs) and I had him get me a mannequin's head with real hair because every time I would braid their hair, (laughs) like I was like pulling it, and I wanted to learn how to braid hair properly without having to practice on them. So so I I had them cut the hair to look like my kid's hair. So picture this. Guy walks in with a mannequin head and says, hey, can you cut this hair to look like this picture, right? God only knows what they thought. Red flag. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, so I explained the situation. They, they totally did. And I practiced. And then, we, you know, the, the kids and I nicknamed this mannequin head Lily. So we practiced on Lily until I got pretty decent at doing uh, girls' hair. So the uh, side note, if you guys ever need a French braid, I'm your guy. <laughs> It got really creepy, though, after we were done with Lily and my husband practicing on her hair because she would like end up in random closets or bins and you would open it and just see this mannequin head. Yeah, the girls had a lot of fun hiding the head in various (laughs) spots of the house. Nice. No, but to to circle back, yeah, I think it was nostalgic for them and, and they liked having another female in the house that they could talk girl stuff with. I'm curious because you have both a boy and a girl. So what does that look like for both sides of that spectrum? Yeah, I would say my stepdaughter had a similar reaction. She was really excited to have somebody that was into makeup and the hair and into clothes as much as she was. So we immediately bonded off of everything girly and everything girl related and still do to this day. She's still my favorite shopping buddy. (laughs) But my stepson was a little bit different. He immediately took to me. I mean, he was, we had so much fun together and we were more goofy together. And I joke that I call him my Sour Patch Kid because there were many days where he would eventually ask to like snuggle with me on the couch. But then earlier that day, he was just a typical like 12 year old boy and just kind of all over the place. (laughs) But now I find myself, so my stepson is 16 and my stepdaughter is 19. And I find myself in a unique situation where they talk to me about I feel like pretty much everything, whether yeah. I want to hear it or not. And it's, you had said earlier, it's nice for them to have somebody else to talk to or like a female role model that's not their mom. Because I will tell you, there are most definitely things that they talk to me about that they would never talk to their mom about or even to yeah. my husband. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's the fact. The nights that he records his podcast and we all happen to be home and all on the couch. I mean, the uh, the conversations, especially in the teenage years, get just very graphic. <laughs> but I, f- I feel happy that they at least have somebody to talk to about all the awkward things that come with being a teenager or being a young adult. And I'm... I'm happy to be the voice of reason or, you know, the person to kind of laugh about awkward experiences or sounding board. I mean, really whatever they need. So it's it's morphed a lot and it's surely gotten more <laughs> detailed the older they get. Yeah, as they get older, they get a little bit more adventurous, mm. you know, but it's nice to have someone who's not your parent to talk about all the things that you're too embarrassed to talk to your parents about. 
Well, and for me, I've always been an open book and the girls know that. And I, I will tell them that anything you want to ask me, I don't care how awkward you may think it is, or if it's cringy or just something that you're nervous to ask, or just ask me, I will always be honest with you, no matter what the question is. And yeah, I've also gotten some pretty interesting questions that I've shielded this one from. <laughs> so that's something that I think is worth talking about. So you mentioned shielding from, I think there is a fine line between telling your husband everything about what their kids tell you and building trust with the kids on your own and learning when is time to share and when is time to not. So I guess, Mr. Elise, have you set any boundaries between you and your wife and or your kids on when do you want to know the things that they've told her or shared with her? And when are you comfortable just letting it go and letting that information stay within the, the lady household. Well, Bailey, I'll tell you, I think I understand with the girls that there are certain conversations that they're going to have that I don't need to know about. And I, I don't want to know about those things. You know, I, I respect their privacy. And, you know, I think if they're going to have the kind of relationship uh, that's built on trust, they need to be able to have some private conversations. And so I, I totally respect that and don't pry too much with Elise over here. But, you know, there there are some things that are important. I don't know if Elise has shared this, but, you know, we have a pretty high conflict biological mom. And so, you know, there are some things that she shares, you know, that are that are uh, relevant, you know, and, and especially when it comes to like, you know, health and safety and mental well-being. Those are things that, you know, I want to know about and need to know about actually. So, uh, and Elise is pretty good at uh, sharing those things and I'm pretty good at not pressing too much on, on those things. So boundaries are important, especially, you know, relationships. Yeah. Agreed. What about you? What are your thoughts on that? Boundaries, when to share, what not we've, to share? We've never really talked about this, but I think what it comes down to is I trust that when something comes up that you feel I need to know about, you'll tell me. I don't ask. You know, you just kind of come to me and say, hey, this is, by the way, <laughs> this is the conversation that we had today. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And then sometimes we talk about, you know, here's how I would have responded to that question or that topic. But other than that, you know, I, I just assume that, you know, when when the line is crossed and, and when I need to know about it. So and we've we've had a few of those where, you know, you've come and said, hey, by the way, you may want to know this is going on. And then, you know, I'll usually deal with it in a way that doesn't out Bailey. So we'll, we'll deal with it in a way that, you know, it doesn't feel like she just ran to me and told me everything. Yeah, I think an interesting thing is you can find that kids when you drop little nuggets here and there about, you know, what what you're trying to get at and you leave them little breadcrumbs, especially when they're younger, maybe not so much when they're older, young adults and teenagers, but when they were younger, if there was something you were trying to get at, it was really easy to say, you know, how are you doing and how's school going and how are your friends and is, you know, how's how's this one friend of yours if there was a particular issue that was shared with and Usually for the most part, they they open right up and, and share what needs to be shared without having to, to throw me under the bus, which I think is has been really important throughout our relationship. Like Mr. Elise, you had mentioned that establishing trust and them being able to feel like they can trust Elise is super important. And I feel the same way. And if there was ever a moment throughout our relationship where that trust felt violated, I don't think that I would have the same relationship with them as I do now. I think that's critically important. 
Yeah. And just to expand upon that a little bit, you know, my take on it is at the cornerstone of every relationship, whether that's a personal relationship, whether that's a business relationship, the cornerstone is always trust. Because if you don't trust that person, then you really can't have a meaningful relationship because you're always looking over your back or questioning things. And it's just, it's not going to work. Well, I think the most interesting thing about that dynamic, because I would say that most nuclear families deal with that sort of issue when you have kids of, okay, mom knows this. How does mom tell dad? When does mom tell dad? Vice versa. But how is it handled when you have someone you're co-parenting with that's outside of that dynamic that A, you've got to figure out how am I going to relay import or things that I deem important to that person? How are they going to take it? And are they going to try to make it a negative spin on my spouse? We've dealt with a little bit of that. And so maybe, babe, you can talk about your thoughts on that or maybe how you would would have handled it. I'm putting it on spot. It's like not negative. <laughs> I'm going to take a fast card on that one. <laughs> like, I don't know what you want me to say about that, honestly. Um, you know, I mean, sometimes, as I had mentioned earlier, we have a pretty high conflict relationship with the girl's mom. And so every little thing gets scrutinized. And the girls are of ages that they know what's going on. They, I think maybe that sometimes they like to play us off one another. And, you know, seemingly to me, my ex-wife always seems to take the bait. If there's an opportunity to argue or fight about something, she will never miss that chance. And so, you know, I, I try my best to uh, try to smooth things over as best I can, not get riled up or not feed into anything too much, knowing that, you know, a lot of it, uh, I think, is sometimes part of the situation with the girls testing boundaries and seeing what they can say and get away with. I think you bring up a really interesting point. So we had made a promise to each other very early on that we were never going to badmouth their mom, no matter what. It's not anything that the kids need to be in between. And I would say for the most part, we were and are still really good at that. But I will also say the older they get, the more, like you just said, they see it. Kids are not dumb. Even if they're 12 or 19, they see where the friction comes from. And I would say the older they get, the harder it's been for us to maintain that boundary that we had initially set. You'll never hear me badmouth their mom. I, I try really hard to actually support any sort of initiative that she puts on the table, whether or not I agree with it, because she's their mom. But the older they get, the harder that is because of what you just said. They see it. You know, that, that's an interesting point, Bailey. I'll tell you. So uh, my divorce lasted about three years. And so during that time, I had an opportunity to talk to a lot of people. And, you know, sometimes our conversations would get personal with people that I would meet and things. And if I found out they were a child of divorce, trying to ask everyone the same question. And that question was, if you could go back in time and give your parents one piece of advice when you were a kid, what would you tell them? And it, it shocked me that almost everyone said the same thing or very similar things. And that was, you know, I wish my parents would have left me out of it. I wish they wouldn't have said bad things about the other parent to me. And I mean, I get goosebumps thinking about it now. It's chilling to think, you know, children think that, right? And they hear that and they, and more importantly, they feel that and those feelings stay with them the rest of their lives. And so we've tried to separate that, you know, aspect of the divorce from them, you know, just protect them from that because if they may not remember what has been said, they'll always remember how they feel about certain situations. I mean, they're pretty aware of the differences in the thoughts and dynamic. They've been put through the ringer a bit with some of the stuff that we've had to deal with. So they have a heightened sense of awareness based on choices that they're at the age that the court deems them able to make. And so they 
you know, have been drug into the conversation for some of the contested stuff. So it is what it is. And you move forward and try to make the best of it. And yeah, you guys, I, oh, go ahead. You guys have just such an entirely different Mm -hmm. perspective than we do. I mean, hearing you talk about this, I'm makes me realize like how truly lucky we have been. I mean, not to say that our scenario has been a cakewalk at all. I mean, probably more so for me than anybody else, just me because I'm always in my head. But as far as my husband's ex-wife, I mean, she's not really, I think on our last episode, we had talked about how you and your ex-wife need to use actually a court mandated app in order to communicate. So you can't communicate just via a quick phone call or via a quick text message. And everything that you do and everything that you say and everything that involves the kids has to go through some sort of court mandate. And I hadn't really realized until at least and I had been talking more regularly how lucky we are to not have to go through that. And I'm so grateful because, I mean, I can't even imagine how stressful that must be for not just you both, but for the kids as well to try to unpack every single aspect of your life. Our our situation hasn't been without its challenges, but hearing what I'm hearing, we definitely got the, uh, the better end of the deal. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's not so bad really, I guess, uh, perspective is everything, but you know, every sort of response, I try to respond as if I'm being deposed, just the facts, nothing more, nothing less and keep it short and sweet. Not stressful at all. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we touched on this on our last episode and we haven't released it yet. So my husband hasn't heard it, Elise's husband, but Bailey's husband, my question for you is, and Bailey and I talked about this pretty extensively during our last podcast. How do you feel when you have joint holidays, birthdays, or celebrations that your ex-wife is at your new home? You know what? Part of me is very happy that the kids can experience both parents at the same time because I try and put myself in their place. And if it were awkward, and sometimes it is, you know, sometimes it's hard not to be awkward, but if it were awkward, then I try and do something to make it less awkward, whether that be crack a joke or just kind of ease the tension a little bit. Um, But for the most part, we get along well enough to where we can kind of cohabitate in the same room and it's not a big deal. You know, we've always done birthdays. We've always done like graduations, you know, big events. We always do everybody in the same room. And I would even say the extended family is also pretty good at trying to make sure that everybody kind of has a good time and gets along. So we're, we're lucky in, in that respect. You know, there, there are awkward occasions that happen every once in a while, but they're few and far between. So I'm just more or less happy that my kids can experience things like that with both parents and not have to do it twice. You know what I mean? So Bailey's husband, just to follow up on that, from my perspective, the thought of graduations and just life events with the girls is terrifying for me because things are so contentious and there's so much conflict. Are there things that you've done or are there things that advice you might be able to give that kind of sets up those sort of events in the right light? I would say the golden rule for us has always been and always will be take the high road. Whenever we're together, we're acting like everyone's our best friend. 
and there's never any malice. There's never any kind of hidden kind of angst. It's always, uh, even if I have to put on my best game face, um, which I usually don't, because we don't really have that contentious a, uh, a scenario, but you know, you put on a good game face and you just pretend like hey, we're all friends here and we're all here for the same purpose. We're all here to celebrate my son or my daughter and that's it. You know, don't be selfish. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about them. So if you can't kind of put the feelings aside and let them enjoy their day, then then those are bigger issues. And to be honest with you, if we ever had a scenario like that, where we were doing an event for one of my kids and their bio mom, you know, kind of made a big deal or made a, you know, a big stink about it. I would pull her aside, uh, if not then, you know, soon after and just be like, what are you doing? This isn't about you. Don't make it about us. It's about the kids. So, but luckily we've never had to do that. So um, I, I think it, it works fairly well if everybody can kind of be on the same page, just take the high road. And I would say for stepmoms out there, work on your poker face. <laughs> you know, he, my husband said he doesn't really put on an act, but man, I would be totally lying if I said I did not take every ounce of acting skills that I had the first few times where we were at, a, I think the sporting events and birthdays were probably some of the first things that we encountered together where I didn't have to just constantly chant in my head, do not give her any reason to say anything bad about you when you're with her in person. So she can say everything bad about me based on what she has never seen in person. But when you're with her, be nothing but nice, be nothing but kind, show nothing but support for her kids and focus on that. And I know for a fact that I'm sure there's there's still things that she has to say about me that are less than flattering. But I really tried hard to focus on that and really tried to just be overly welcoming anytime she was in my house or cordial anytime we were in a shared setting together, but also not fake. I mean, I never went way overboard with like, hey, oh my gosh, how are you? It's so good to see you. Like, I don't say that. I just say, hey, you know, how's it going? How are things? And thanks for coming. And really just try to try to keep it really straightforward. So it's real, but it's it's also requires effort for me to engage with someone on that level that I know very much so has wants nothing to do with me and does not like me. And I, I think I had told Elise on the last episode too, that I'm the type of person who really cares what people think of me, even though I don't love that about myself. It is what it is. So I would 100% agree with you that while I don't think that after a few times being in person with my husband's ex-wife, that I was nervous per se, but I was always cognizant of what I was doing, who I was talking to, and how she would interpret that later on, whatever that looked like. So I think that every stepmom really thinks about that stuff. And you think about, is she going to see me hug my friend and go, oh, well, you know, now I want to get to know that person or I've got to figure out what that relationship looks like just because that's the dynamic and women are curious in general. So I think that's pretty typical of any stepmom that that goes through this sort of dynamic. Um, but moving on to our final and most interesting question. Are you guys nervous? Frighteningly nervous. Ben. I was born for this. Who wants to go first? What's the question? Yeah. So <laughs> the question is, in what ways did having a second wife 
when you have a first wife and children help and hinder you or positives, negatives? Well, you know, I'll take it. Um, I think, you know, having a, having you having a, a wife certainly helped um, in so many ways because it became, you know, a team sport versus one-on-one and anytime, you know, and because we got along so well and because you're such a great, you know, resource for the girls, you know, and me, it, it helped out in a lot of ways and made communication easier with the girls. An extra helping hand with stuff around the house was huge. I mean, there, there, I mean, there's countless ways. So for me, it was very beneficial and made my life easier in many ways, harder in, so, in some ways. But, We've already had this conversation. But, you know, it's a labor of love, right? So it's okay. Well, no, but be honest. So what are some of the things that made it more difficult with differing opinions or things yeah, that you know, from your side? You know, from my standpoint, I think, um, you know, sometimes you may not have liked some of the decisions that I made and you're very vocal about it. And, you know, sometimes situations are a little bit more than a little bit stressful. And, you know, so so that can create some issues. But, you know, I mean, we've handled those things great. And, you know, I know that though you may not agree, you respect me and respect the decisions. You know, when I can make a joint decision, I will. When I have to make a decision, I'll do that, too. And so, you know, I think you've been pretty great about that. Yeah. And, and Bailey and I have had this conversation in other episodes that that's a struggle that I think a lot of stepmoms have is initially wanting to interject. And I've given my, my viewpoint and how I've learned over the years, what is going to be best for our dynamic and my perspective. So I've had to pivot as you know, yeah. And, you know, there's there some things and, and some items that come up that you're very passionate about. And so that sometimes makes it hard to because you you and I may want the same thing, but I may have to make a decision about something that you don't like. I love that you voice it to me. Seriously, I do. You know, some, sometimes the way what you voice it, you know, could maybe use a little bit more tech. Uh, but overall, I overall, I think it's pretty good. And, and I really wouldn't want it any other way. So I appreciate that you feel comfortable enough to share those things with me, even if you don't think it's something that I want to hear. I can see that for sure. We're outspoken ladies. There's no hiding it. <laughs> we, I mean, we're pretty transparent, right? We've said this before. We're both very, I don't know, type A. No, I think we're both very dominant women. And when we get, you know, emotionally connected to something, it can be, it can feel super important and we want to drive an initiative and that's what we do when we're working and i think both of us are in well i don't know so much about you but i'm in a very male dominated industry so i have to be kind of pull my big girl pants on and use my words what about you guys what do you do in times of strife what do you love about having a stepmom bailey's husband and what do you think you know are some pain points well, first of all, Mr. Elise, I just want to commend you on uh, that excellent recovery there. Uh, it was well done and uh, well admired. Uh, Thanks. So it wasn't without uh, its own set of risks and perils. Yeah, I, I, I can see the beads of sweat, but they're gone. So well, well done. Uh, it's funny, you keep on saying, you know, stepmoms, and I, and I understand this is a podcast about stepmoms, but the concept of a stepmom almost never really crosses my mind. And, and I get that's what it is, but it's just, I never think of my wife as a stepmom. Um, she's, she's just a mom. And in fact, we don't even use that term. We use bonus mom, you know, around the, the children and they love that. So 
What ways has it made my life more difficult? Well, I will say that having more than one female parental figure, it's just, it's one more. It's like the old adage in uh, Spinal Tap, you know, the amps, these amps go to 11. It's one louder than 10. <laughs> but I, I don't mean that in a negative way. It's it's an extra, you know, chess piece to kind of move around uh, the board of life. So, but it kind of just is what it is. I wouldn't say that's any more complicated than, than any other scenario that might be out there. But, you know, I can probably go on for hours about all the different ways that it's made my life easier. Having an extra person to bounce ideas off of that has a, a vastly different perspective than mine because, you know, I've been doing the parenting thing for so long, you know, and we're lucky that my kids are older. I would say that I've got it fairly well dialed in. So there weren't a whole lot of scenarios that come up where I had to kind of think on my toes. So um, I think we had a pretty good, I mean, that's, you know, it's not entirely true because we do still come across scenarios where, you know, we've got to kind of deal with the scenario or deal with a, a situation that we've not come across before. But for the most part, it's a lot of the same stuff. So I think, you know, having older kids has certainly been helpful, but definitely, I mean, just having someone that my kids can talk to that's that's not their mom or dad and they can confide in and then that they trust to have some of those conversations. I mean, there are you know, there are things that come up that um, I may never have had the ability to experience what my kids are thinking because they wouldn't have, they were too embarrassed to talk to me about it. So I get that additional perspective. And I almost feel like it's a cheat code for parenting because I don't know that a whole lot of parents get that outsider's perspective without maybe therapy, right? It's really hard to get someone else's perspective when they're not in the parenting situation, the parenting scenario. So I almost feel like that in and of itself was just hugely uh, helpful in, in kind of navigating the, the realm of parenting. It's, it's not, you know, it's not difficult. I, the, the funny thing I saw was I saw a video and it was Will Smith. I saw it on YouTube, I think. And he says, you can buy a TV and they give you a 50 page manual. You have a child and they just give it to you and send you home with nothing. So um, that's the hardest thing about parenting is figuring it out. Well, Bailey and I have talked about this previously that it's interesting from you send your, when you go through a divorce, sometimes you send your kids to therapy to try to have someone as a sounding board. And these people aren't even versed in how to tackle the different dynamics or What's okay to say to someone who's in a nuclear family that's intact and what's okay to say to someone that's in a second marriage or dealing in a situation where they're co-parenting. And I think a lot of people are left to go, we don't know how to handle this, but we'll fly at the seat of our pants and try to make it up as we go that might make the most sense for the kids and, and what's going on. But there's not a lot of information about how to tackle that situation. And to your point, there's not even a lot of information to say, here's the things that you should be cognizant of when you have a kid, even in a situation that the family is intact, it's hard enough when you deal with that. You know, I think there's a lot of books about birthing children and how you could potentially raise them, but there's not even like a high school course outside of take around this flower bag or this fake baby and see if you can keep it happy for two days. <laughs> That is not adequate preparation for parenting. At all. <laughs> Memo to all high school child development teachers. It's not enough. <laughs> not enough. 
Well, I foresee in our future bringing you guys on again. There's so many more questions we could ask and so many other things that I think all of us want to ask each other and that our audience would be interested to find out of the varying perspectives of not only us as moms, stepmoms, wives, but you guys as men, husbands, and dads. So we look forward to having you on again. And thank you so much for joining us this time and giving us your perspective. It's been great. Yeah, thanks for having us. And uh, I think it's also an appropriate time to plug. Mr. Elise and I have a podcast of our own. It's called Bio Dads and Dealing with Step Monsters. So please check us out on Apple Music and Spotify and YouTube. I thought you were calling it Having Second Wives Club. <laughs> We're totally kidding. We don't have a podcast. Thank you guys. You guys are troopers. Yeah, Bye. It's been a pleasure, guys. Thanks so much for having us. We'll see you.